Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time at the Vendrowski Show as I speak. What is today, man? I gotta look at this. Oh yeah, Wednesday. No, uh, I almost said November. God, what is my going on with my brain? This is Chicago mayoral election, folks. It's starting to get to me. I'm going loony here. Uh, following the Chicago mayoral election. Anyway, it is Wednesday, February 22nd, uh, 2023. Uh, as I do with every bonus interview, I start off with a little news, what's in the the, uh, the newspaper of the day. And the news of the day is what I'll be talking with my distinguished guest about. Uh, here's the headline from today's uh, Sun-Times, my beloved bright one, home delivered every day. You're welcome, Sun-Times, for supporting you. Mayor denies playing politics with police pension board. And there's a photo of Susanna Mendoza, state controller with Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, during the mayoral candidate forum in 2019. Well, actually, she was candidate Lori Lightfoot uh, when that picture was taken. So yesterday, I went on one of my famous rants uh, about this story. Uh, shout out Frank Maine wrote broke the story in the bright one. Oh, gosh, I think it was two days ago. Uh, about how the pension board that is controlled uh, by Mayor Lori Lightfoot appointees uh, denied full pension benefits for Chicago Police Sergeant uh, Joaquin Mendoza, who is the older brother of Susanna Mendoza, who's the state controller. Uh, and Susanna Mendoza let him have it, as Susanna Mendoza's, Mendoza is known to do. Uh, don't get Susanna mad. Uh, and uh, the story ran on Tuesday. I read the story. I was outraged. I thought it was cruel. Uh, I, I feel that all police officers who uh, contract COVID uh, should be the beneficiaries if, they're, if they can't work. They're putting their neck on the line. They're putting their life on the line uh, when they went out. This is before the vaccine. So just as a general principle, uh, I believe they should get uh, full benefits. Yeah, me. That's what I believe. Uh, so I said it. And as soon as I said it, uh, <laughs> a lot of my listeners let me know, oh, Ben, you just like Susanna Mendoza so much. <laughs> You're a teacher's pet. So without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. In distinguished guest, introduce yourself. 
Well, thank you, Ben. I'm Illinois State Controller Susana Mendoza, but for the purposes of today, uh, most important title is Joaquin Mendoza's sister. Yes. So let's leave state politics out of things. Let's leave the state budget out of things. Although, who knows, at the end of the show, we were talking about you just the other day, uh, Susanna, in regards to uh, something some MAGA guy said in Springfield, or maybe it was a woman, about how you should be uh, tougher on Pritzker. All right, but let's let's just stick to what's going on in Chicago and the story that Frank Maine broke uh, yesterday uh, in the uh, Sun-Times. So again, one more time, shout out Frank Maine, doing a good job on that story. why don't you, why don't you just take over here uh, and tell the narrative uh, uh, about what uh, your brother, the police officer, the sergeant, uh, and what happened to him when he got COVID. Uh, so just take us through this uh, A to Z, Susanna, go ahead. So um, I called my brother on November 11th of 2020. For context, that was the the height of the pandemic, right? It was like the darkest days in the country's history and certainly here in our state, um, most people dying at that period of time. And remember, this is 2020 pre-vaccines being available. Everyone was literally praying for a vaccine back in those days. And um, it was also during the presidential election. So it was a crazy time, all hands on deck for police officers. Um, And... um, This was uh, a 17 day in a row stretch of no days off for my brother and extended hours as a detective sergeant working midnights in area five detective division. Now, um, I called him to wish him a happy 56th birthday on November 11th, his birthday. I can never forget it because it's always Veterans Day, right? So um, he always, the lucky duck, had a day off on his birthday. That's pretty cool. But um, in any event, I called him to wish him a happy birthday, and he had a cough. I, of course, got super scared and thought the worst, and I was right because just two days later at like 6 in the morning, I think I got a call from his commander that he was in the hospital fighting for his life, that they had to, um, you know, uh, essentially knock not knock the door off its hinges but break into his home. And he had called into work uh, to call in sick, which he never did. And um, they heard the distress in his voice. And he wasn't making any sense when he was talking to um, the person on the other line at his uh, place of employment. So she knew something was really wrong with my brother. And she ordered an ambulance. And they had to get into his house. He couldn't move. He was, like, completely unable to get out of his his, uh, bed or where he was at. And so they took him to the hospital, to Northwestern. And he spent 72 days hospitalized. 42 specifically at Northwestern. And then once they stabilized him, and I'll I'll use that term super loosely when I say stabilized, it's just they didn't think he was going to die anymore. They moved him across the street to Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, where he spent another 30 days uh, before they discharged him into my care um, to come live with me. Now, my brother had never married. He uh, never had kids. He was literally married to the job. And during those 17 days, I mean, my brother didn't even have a girlfriend at that. Well, he had a girlfriend, but she didn't live in Illinois. So it's not like he had anyone to go home to. He'd come home from work and uh, go home to an empty apartment, sleep a few hours, shower and go right back to work. And that's all he did for 17 days straight because these guys had all their days off canceled. So also it's important to note that they were issued that the the large protection, you know, this this commitment to protecting our officers that the mayor talks about during those darkest days of the pandemic um, entailed an issuance of one plastic bag inside of which was one pair of disposable gloves, 
one mask, a disposable one, and one bodysuit, which is a paper bodysuit that you're supposed to wear once and throw away, right? That was the extent of their issuance. She did end up passing a mask mandate, uh, but they didn't provide the masks to the officers. Now, I, I know the argument that a lot of officers didn't want to wear masks and stuff, but the reality of it is that even if they wanted to, they had to go out and purchase their own stuff. And that's just wrong. I mean, I know in my office as controller, we required our staff to wear masks, but I purchased those masks for our staff and any member who wanted to wear their own mask could, but any employee that didn't have one, there were always masks available. And that's what you do when you're an organized operation, right? And so um, you can't say you're protecting your employees and then just issue one mask, one set of gloves, and one disposable bodysuit. So this was the reality of what these police officers were dealing with. And uh, my brother got sick. He caught COVID. Who knows where? Because no one at that time was doing any kind of contact tracing. Police officers have to come into contact with a whole ton of different people in very many different situations. And um, at that time, there were also no therapeutics available besides the fact that there were no vaccines. And my brother, as the detective sergeant on the third watch, he was the guy whose responsibility it was, for example, um, to check in on any of the detainees, to make sure they had water, to make sure they had food. And so he was constantly coming into contact with people that he had no idea whether or not they were COVID positive. And, and so when he got sick, he almost died, and thankfully he didn't. But the irony in the story is that if my brother had died, his family would be eligible for duty death benefits because there is a state law that says that if you die as a police officer, the you get a rebuttable presumption that you contracted COVID in the performance of an official act of duty. Yet, if you survive, this isn't in the law, it's just not stated, right? It, the law deals with if you die, it's death benefits. If you survive COVID-19, but it leaves you permanently disabled, um, you do not have that rebuttable presumption that you contracted COVID while in the performance of an official act of duty. And so the pension fund that, like you mentioned, those appointees are picked by the mayor. She gets four appointments there. Um, every single one of her appointees voted against granting my brother and another officer that came after him duty death, I mean, uh, duty disability benefits because they say that they cannot prove, they cannot point to a specific act of duty that gave him COVID. And so in the absence of being able to prove where or from who exactly he got it, um, they have to deny the benefit. That's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And there's lots of other case law that talks about, you know, causality and stuff like that. But more importantly, Ben, what really kind of blew my mind when he got denied was that their own pension fund doctor. Now, that's not our doctor. That's the doctor that the pension fund hires to tell the pension fund whether or not they think this is a legit case or not. The pension fund doctor essentially made the case for why my brother should be getting this benefit. She said he's absolutely disabled, that it's more likely than not that he contracted COVID while in the performance of his duties. Um, yet, nonetheless, the board voted against my brother. And I, I've never said that I think they were picking on me or on my brother specifically, but I, I do believe with all my heart that those board members get their directions from the mayor, whoever the mayor is, right? And that the mayor gave a directive that COVID benefits were not to be approved for disability. And that's not just my opinion. There's lots of people who believe firmly that the mayor gives a direction and that the board follows it. Now, I used to sit 
on the fireman's pension annuity fund. And so I know that, in fact, the city appointees are always asking. I've heard them ask, where's the mayor on this, right? They, they know. They know there's a person there who says this is where the mayor's at. And I don't believe for a second that the mayor did not know that something so big as duty, di- duty disability was coming before the board without giving them a directive. All right. A uh, lot to break down uh, here. And uh, before we get into the specifics uh, and ask uh, the question, which will hold off on officially asking, but I'm going to let you, we cannot leave the conversation without a- asking you is, do you think the mayor was being vindic- vindictive against uh, a sergeant named Mendoza, knowing that sergeant uh, was the brother of Susanna Mendoza. Before we get to there, here's what my rant was yesterday. Uh, I, I don't care if your brother got COVID on the job or if he went to a party and got COVID. I know this. Your brother was fulfilling a very important duty like a nurse who's working at an emergency room, a doctor who's working at an emergency room, a bus driver who's driving a bus, a train uh, conductor who is on the CTA train. Uh, We are in the midst of a pandemic. People like me, Ben, I just go up to my attic and talk into a microphone. I was shielded from the pandemic to a great degree in those months before the, uh, the vaccine. I was not at risk. I had tremendous amount of appreciation for people who were at risks. But I could just think of like dozens of different people who had to go work at grocery stores, for instance. And at the time, Susanna, we were told we should honor these on frontline employees, at risk employees. So your brother dutifully did his job for 17 days. He got COVID. He got it bad. Some people get it worse than others. He got it really bad. I don't care if he was at a discotheque dancing, and I doubt he was, based on what you told me about your brother. I believe the city of Chicago should show some compassion for its frontline workers, its policemen, its firefighters. Well, the teachers were protected in those days, but the mayor was trying to make them go back to work too. Let's not forget that. I believe they should show respect if you say how much we appreciate it, we should back them up. We shouldn't just be about, oh, oh, I really appreciate you when it looks good because you're doing a commercial about how you appreciate frontline workers. As soon as the frontline workers go get sick and go, well, can you prove uh, <laughs> that you actually got it on the job? Man, they all turn into like little bean counters all of a sudden, protecting and hoarding their little pension money. So that was my rant. And here I am going on it again, Susanna, because of one more point. I remember what the mayor was saying at that time, because we were talking about it all the time. And she was giving these public services. You probably don't even know this because you didn't follow the stuff as intensely. That's what it was. Yeah, stay home. And she did this one commercial about, I know you want to have Thanksgiving with grandma, but you can't because you don't want to infect grandma. So she's doing that. And meanwhile, hey, sorry, uh, Sergeant Mendoza, you're on your own, pal. And and my brother didn't even, he's so close to my mom. I mean, we're a super tight-knit family. My brother take my mom to the movies all the time and out to dinner. You know, he's the the oldest son and, you know, mama's boy, right? And uh, he hadn't seen her since the lockdown. 
since actually even before the lockdown, because they were already told this is bad, right? And so the lockdown happened a few weeks after we already knew that this was really bad and you shouldn't be like coming close to people. So my brother stopped seeing my mom throughout that entire period of time. And the only time my mom finally got to see him was when he looked like, you know, a shadow of his former self, right? So she lost her son in many respects when, when he caught COVID. So super tough, man. Super tough. Yeah. But no, your question was, do I think that she purposely did it like vindictively because of me? Was that the question because of me? No, I don't think that for one second. And I've never accused her of trying to be vindictive against me. In fact, I endorsed the mayor when she ran, when she beat me in the uh, in the primary. I think the first call I made was to her. And I said, what can I do to help? And you can't point to one single thing, Ben, nor could she, other than this issue, which is so personal to me. Um, you can't point to anything, and she can't, where I've been anything other than, like, letting her do her job, right? And um, and I've even held press, press conferences on reducing fees for people who can't afford to pay them, right? Owner's fees. I, I invited her to a press conference with me where she came and we did it together. I didn't have to do that, right? It's a couple of years ago. So it was never personal between me and her. I just truly believe now with every ounce of my being that she talks out of both sides, right? She says to the cameras that she cares about our officers and our first responders when in fact she doesn't. And it's just clear to me because that's where you prove it. Like we're not talking about people who are asking for raises or anything like that. We're asking for officers who came this close to death and whose lives will never, ever be the same because they were following the orders that the mayor of Chicago through their superintendent gave them. And that is to be first responders, to be out there protecting the public and serving. You can't arrest anyone over Zoom. You know, we were at home. She was able to shield herself. My brother wasn't. And she didn't even give him any equipment to really even try to protect himself, right? So any assertion to that is just false. To the contrary, that is false. So I, I do feel like um, it wasn't personal, but it is personal now because my brother almost died. And at the very least, he deserved to know that because of his sacrifices over 22 years to this city, that the city would be there to have his back with at minimum health insurance that he will need now for the rest of his life because his illness is catastrophic and 75% of his salary instead of the 50% that he gets with no health insurance. It's really cruel. It's inhumane. And the mayor yesterday when she held that press conference, she couldn't even come out and say that, yes, I don't think it's, I don't think it's right that an officer should have to die to get their benefits. I don't think it makes any sense that if you survive COVID, you don't get a rebuttable presumption. She's an attorney. This is not a difficult concept. Any normal person understands that if you die from COVID and you're covered, if you survive it but have a catastrophic disability, you should also be covered, right? It's not a even a remotely far stretch. So we're going to fix this at the state level, but I shouldn't have had to be the one to fix this at the state level. The mayor could have fixed it earlier. And honestly, and she says, I have nothing to do with the pension fund. I have no influence over the pension fund. It's entirely independent. Yet she defends the pension fund's decision and says that she can't question it. Well, what the heck are you mayor for then? 
if I make appointees to a board and then later I find out that they did something that is just really, truly inhumane and wrong, you better as hell believe that I'm going to say, you guys screwed up and we need to do something to fix this, right? I'm going to take ownership of that mistake because those were my appointees. That's what a leader does. She cannot ever admit that she's wrong. And in this case, ask anyone out on the street if a police officer who before vaccines were available gives his best to this city and, and falls ill, if they should be left out to hang to dry on their own. I don't think any person with a heart or a conscience would believe that. I think everybody feels that this is just a, really an issue of humanity and um, any even remotely decent leader would say it's obvious that we need to fix this problem and would have taken the lead on it. She still can't say, of course, I support the legislation that the comptroller wants to do because it's the right thing to do. If there's any ambiguity here in the law, we need to fix it. She couldn't even categorically say that. So, And what she did do was hold a press conference to say, I, I don't know any of the facts, um, but I'm going to comment on it anyway, even though I don't know any of the facts. The shame on her for not knowing the facts. Shame on her for not knowing the facts. All right. Uh, I dutifully took notes and everything you say. Well, there's a lot to come back to, but let's, since you mentioned her press conference, uh, let's get to the press conference and get your response to uh, what she said. And I will now do a quote uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times in an article as reported by France Bill and City Hall reporter. <clears throat> I am now going to quote, and this is uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's words, quote, I want to give her, meaning Susanna Mendoza, some grace here but she was extraordinarily emotional and let fly some accusations. And I thought in that circumstances, it was probably best if I just let her be and I walked away. She's alluding to an exchange you had with her on the subject. Quote, you're going to have to ask the controller about the curious timing of her decision to go public. It's not lost on me that this is a press conference at City Hall a week before the elections. You can draw your own conclusions as to why that's happening. Susanna, please respond to the mayor's accusation that you held off on this until you could use it against her in uh, the midst of the campaign. Go ahead. Okay, well, it's not lost on me, but it is on her that my brother lost both his kidneys and had five strokes and was left out to dry by her and her hand-picked appointees. But let's, I digress. Um, Timing-wise, let me walk you through it. Um, a year ago, almost to the day, February 24th, my brother was denied by the pension fund. Did you ever hear me call a press conference, Ben, over the last year that she's been running for office and making an issue that I could have been bludgeoning her over over the last year? Okay, so let's just start with that. I could have been having a field day on this if I wanted to make this political over a year now. Now, I haven't. I went through this process that every normal human being, not a politician, not a well-connected individual, but every normal officer and their family or their advocate, their power of attorney, let's say, right, would have to go through. It is the most horrendous experience of my life to have to have been my brother's advocate and have to deal with the people at the city's HR department when it comes to the police, okay? A sane person will want to go down the darkest hole and will completely feel like they're helpless. And I feel like I'm not a helpless person, right? You know me. You've covered me. I, I will, I'm scrappy. I know how to get things done. Uh, I'm relentless. 
yet I don't think I've ever cried more in my life other than when my dad died. And that was every time that I had to deal with HR, see the level of disrespect towards my brother, see the, the lack of appreciation for his sacrifice. Uh, when he had to go in to turn in his badge, there was no like, thank you for your service or no semblance of empathy at all throughout this entire process. And I just kept thinking to myself, thank God my brothers got me to advocate for him, right? But it made me think, what about all those officers who don't have someone like that? Those guys will either quit they just won't even keep trying or they'll make some really bad decisions that they can't take back. You know, I guarantee you that when we hear about officers deciding to put a bullet in their head, that part of this treatment is part of that calculation. Because keep in mind, and I said this yesterday at the press conference, that the illness itself is catastrophic for both my brother and, for example, um, Officer uh, Cordova, who is also denied, who her lungs are completely shredded. She can barely talk. She's on oxygen. And they denied her, too, and took away her health care. Um, but she dedicated 25 years of service to the city. My brother, 22. Before that, he was a police officer in Moline for 10 years. So 32 years of his life in law enforcement. But um, it's bad enough to be catastrophically injured and have a completely different way of life and a guaranteed lessened um, life expectancy, right? But the betrayal, the betrayal of the decisions by a city pension fund that should have been there to back them up is like this, this feeling that they don't care. They don't value them. They don't matter. And therefore, my sacrifice was like completely unappreciated. And that, that betrayal is mentally worse than the actual physical disability. And so, yeah, this is, um, I probably got off topic here, but this is what it feels like to have to go through this experience and see your loved one go through this, feel that, and try to convince them that the entire city of Chicago doesn't hate them. We're talking about an administration whose moral compass is completely wrong when it comes to standing up for the people who sacrifice for our office, right, or for our for our people. And so that that's what that's one of the challenges here is trying to get through this process and, and say, okay, we were denied, but we're going to go through this process. And I remember now what my the question was here that, you know, this experience really educated me tremendously on what every other officer has to go through and how hateful it is. So we went through this. We appealed, right? We appealed after getting denied on February 24th of a year ago. And we waited for the court to come back because I thought there's no way a court's going to uphold this decision. But crazily enough, it took a year almost to have this heard in court where my brother's not getting full benefits, where he's paying for insurance. And at the end of that experience in a Cook County judge with Judge Thaddeus Wilson, who I don't even believe read the documents, he has a he has a statement in his ruling that in the 10 days prior to my brother getting sick with COVID, there were no officers in his division or department that were sick with COVID. Look at this list. And I know it's a podcast, but look at this list. We supplied this list as evidence uh, during the board hearing, as well as it's part of the court record. He clearly didn't look at it, yet he went ahead and actually made this affirmative statement that is completely false. And he filed or ruled in favor of the pension fund. So again, you tell me how if you die by COVID, you get the benefit of the doubt that you contracted it while on the job. But if you are maimed from COVID, you don't, right? So 
this judge could have corrected this wrong, but he just added to it. And on top of that, you know, lied about all the people that were literally out sick with COVID in my brother's division and made it seem like he's making this up or something. So whatever it is, what it is at that point, which is just literally January 30th of this last month of this year, right? Uh, from a timing perspective for all the cynics out there, uh, let me just tell you, January 30th, I had had enough. And it took me a few days, honestly, uh, Ben, to process this because, again, I'm a tough cookie, but I've been bawling my eyes out over this because it is very emotional. How would you feel if this was your loved one? And I was emotional with Lori Lightfoot, and I, I don't apologize for that, and I'm certainly not embarrassed about it because if you want to see me cry, you know, Talk to me about my brother, what he's been through. I'm doing it right now. If my mom were sick, I'd be the same way because I have a heart. And you better believe that when I talked to her, I let her know exactly how I felt. And even though I was emotional, as she said, extremely emotional, I remember that conversation as if it was yesterday. And I remember it verbatim. And I swear to you, Ben, that if I get Alzheimer's someday, I'm still going to remember that conversation and how it went down. And she knows it and she remembers it. And her description of not recalling how that conversation went is just a complete lie. So she knows what was said. She knows what she told me. But here's the deal. Rather than just keep complaining or making this an issue between Lori and I, um, I'm doing something about it. And so I... I said, I'm done going through, like, I'm going to appeal because we have to, right? We're going to go to the appellate court. But that, I've been told, could take up to 18 months. And so I thought, well, what else can I do? I don't even know if my brother will be alive in 18 months. And this is just mentally so debilitating for him to continue to lose. He needs a win. And not just for him, but as he's asked me, for his other officers. And my brother told me that if he, he had to be the guy to be the test case, right? Maybe this is a reason, like, he's been trying to find some silver lining in, in what he can hang on to to want to still live and feel like his his illness is not in vain. And he said, maybe it had to be me. Been thinking about it. Why did it happen to me? Maybe it had to be me because I'm the only guy that has a sister, perhaps. Perhaps I'm the only one who has a sister who knows how to navigate the legal system, who has the connections and the, the wherewithal, the know-how of how to change laws that don't make sense. And... Um, no one else has that. And we experienced that going through this horrific delayed process. So again, the judge did his terrible ruling on the 30th. We had 30 days in which to file uh, our intent to appeal. We filed the intent to appeal yesterday. And in the interim, about a week or two into that, I said, instead of just crying about this, like literally physically crying all the time um, and feeling defeated, I'm going to we're going to do something to help these guys. And so I called Speaker Welch and I was bawling on the phone with him and explaining what happened. And he said he was very sorry and showed an empathy that I have not seen from the city at any point. And he said, what can we do to help? And I said, well, there's this law. Can we amend it to treat our duty disability officers who are permanently disabled in the same way as if those who died, they shouldn't have to die to get this rebuttable presumption and they shouldn't have to die to get these benefits that they have earned. And by the way, paid into into those pensions, right? So so uh, he was awesome and he said, absolutely. And then Jay Hoffman, who was the original sponsor of the bill for duty death 
and uh, Bill Cunningham, Senator Cunningham. They've been complete champions and they said they're happy to help. And so we're doing it for both police and fire. Fire, of course, covers the EMTs. I mean, think of those guys, right? So that's what we're doing. And and that's why the timing. All right. I want to go back to the conversation you had with uh, Mayor Lightfoot. This is really important. Uh, so tell tell our listeners when you had the conversation, uh, what the circumstances were, uh, and what exactly did you guys say to each other as best as you could recall? Take it away. Sure. So that conversation, I want to say, happened in March. I don't remember the exact day, but I think Frank might have covered it in the story. March, it was at a Hacia event. It was like their gala or their, it was a big, big event. And there was like a multi-tiered dais at that event. It was one of those, at the, I, don't, I think it might've been at the Hilton or something. But um, I was at the very top, if you're looking at the stage, right, or at the dais, I was at the very top left corner of the dais. And it was actually kind of dark. So I don't know that anyone in the public actually saw us, but I know that um, Patty Vasquez, you know, Patty Vasquez, um, she was there. Um, and uh, Eric, my photographer was there. Um, her photographer was actually coming up to take photos and she waved the photographer off. And my photographer had just started working for me and he noticed that it was not a good interaction. So he did not take photos. I kind of wish he would have just to like prove that this happened. But essentially, um, I was looking at the audience when all of a sudden, and I was looking at my phone actually, uh, but towards the audience and Lori comes up. I didn't know it was her. And she comes up and goes, Hey, put that phone down and give me a hug. Right. So I turn around thinking, I don't know who it was, but like I turn and it was her. And it was just like all this, imagine this verdict or this ruling had just come down uh, a few, maybe a couple of weeks earlier, a week before something like that. And so I said to her, well, I can't really repeat it, but I said, um, you know, get the out of my face and nothing that comes out of my mouth is going to be something you want to hear. That's exactly what uh, I told just her. just so you, you can't say when it because it is a podcast. Out of my face. Uh, but whatever, I okay. Well, I I, I, pres- you know I presume the first initial uh, get is the F okay, out of my face. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, because nothing that I nothing that comes out of my mouth is going to be something you want to hear. And then, of course, she was like, "What? What happened? You know, what do you mean? What's going on?" Because in her mind, we're allies, we're friends, right? Um, and then I told her what you and your pension fund, your handpicked pension fund did to my brother is both unexcusable and it's unforgivable. And she goes, what are you talking about? She totally played dumb. Like she had no clue. And, um, and then, uh, I said, well, your my brother just went before your pension fund for his duty disability after he almost died serving the city and your pension fund voted against him. Your handpicked appointees voted to deny him his duty disability that he's rightfully earned. And I got to tell you, and I was now emotional. Now I'm getting emotional like you've just seen me, right? And But I, I told her, I, in not in my wildest imagination would I have thought this was possible. I said, I, um, my brother told me from the get-go. You know what the sad part is, Mayor? That my brother told me from the get-go that he was going to get screwed. He told me, and I said, there's no way. Why would you say that? And he goes, because the city hates us. And I said, Joaquin, the city doesn't hate you. I know that you feel like the city hates you, but the city doesn't hate you. He goes, well, the mayor hates us. And I said, the mayor doesn't hate you either. She doesn't. You know, I know that this is what it sounds like in the press, but she doesn't hate you guys. And there's no way that the city would not have our first responders backs. Listen, you are the poster child 
for getting this benefit. And there's no way the city's going to deny you. And you know what? You turned me into a liar to my brother. I go, not only did you not have his back or the other officers like him, you twisted it. I mean, you, I go, you stabbed him in the back and you twisted it into his heart and you did the same to me because I love the city and I never thought the city would do this to someone like him. That's exactly what I said. And I'll never forget this conversation because this is one of those like big conversations that honestly you don't forget. And yeah, hell yeah, I was emotional, but I, I was completely cogent in my thoughts and in my words. And I told her that she was dead to me. And she said, please let me try to fix this. Oh, no, before that, she goes, why didn't you call me? You know, before I told her she was dead to me, she said, why didn't you call me? And I said, what? And she goes, why didn't you call me? And I said, about what? And then she grabbed my arm nicely, like to console me. And she goes, you know, you can call me whenever. You should have told me it was coming. And I said, whoa, uh, I don't know who you think I am, but I don't do things like that. That would be inappropriate. I was not trying to influence the board. And I didn't need any special favors for my brother. I just needed justice for my brother. And I shouldn't have to call you for that. And uh, and then she goes, well, please just let me try to see if I can fix this. Can I fix this? I go, no, it's you broke it. It's, it's done. You can't fix this. I go, but what makes it worse is that the pension fund doctor made the case for why my brother should get this disability, yet your board still denied him. And worse yet, your guy, Scarden, this guy, trustee Stephen Scarden. Now, keep in mind, the mayor says she has no influence over this board, that she does not give them any direction. Yet this guy is her senior counsel. He is her risk assessment officer, and he's her handpicked trustee. You really believe, Ben, that, I mean, I said that the Pope is Presbyterian, if anybody believes that, right? So this guy knew exactly what was going on, and this is the guy that runs the show. And worse yet, Ben, this guy, ready for this? This guy is the only person that didn't even vote to give my brother ordinary disability. So even the ones that didn't give him duty disability, they all voted to give him ordinary disability. But the guy, her number one guy on that pension fund, voted against giving my brother even ordinary disability, which means that he doesn't even believe that he's disabled. Like, ha not having kidneys and having five strokes is means you're healthy. How could that guy, a lawyer, vote no on even granting the most minimum disability benefit to my brother? So I don't think it was personal from Lori towards me, but the people that she picked on that board, specifically that guy, have an absolute disdain for our police officers. And this was personal from him towards them. Okay. Both things can be true. Uh, I'm just saying. And uh, I... I, 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 you said something uh, in that. It was a great riff, by the way. But you said something. Uh, she played dumb, like she had no clue. Uh, and I wrote that down because it suggested that you believe she knew that the board ruled against your brother. And I personally cannot believe that the pension board confronted this issue of a police officer named Mendoza without checking to see if it was Susanna Mendoza's brother. Because everybody knew you had a brother on the police force. Okay, you ran for mayor in 2019. You talked about it. So I'm sorry, Susanna. This is a moment where you and I will just disagree on this one and we'll move on. I believe it was personal. Uh, and once they, they took a shot at your brother, it had to cover everyone. Okay? And listen, I know I've been writing about 
uh, the heartlessness and the cruelty, the bureaucracy in this city toward police officers, firefighters, and teachers for 40 years. So I'm, I know how cruel and heartless they can be. And uh, they treat them like dirt. All right? Uh, and uh, so I do know that. When you get into that bureaucracy, um, God, I wrote so many stories about Paul Vallis firing teachers in the 90s for no reason at all. So I know what they're like. But I do believe, I don't believe that they didn't know it was Mendoza's brother. I'm just saying. Well, I will tell you this. They definitely knew because even though I did not, you know, influence and I didn't ask her for any special favors because I shouldn't ask for that, nor should I get them, right? My brother's case speaks for itself. But I'm his power of attorney. I'm his... um, on both healthcare and medical. And I was on that pension fund hearing when it was happening. So my name was up there, right? And they understood. They knew because part of the narrative is my brother had to come live with me, right? This is These are just facts. And uh, they were well aware, but I don't, I never still thought that this was a personal thing to stick it to my brother because of any political stuff. I mean, again, I was, the, the mayor saw me as a, a political ally, I'd never said or done anything against her. And in fact, I endorsed her for her reelection. So there is no reason why she should have personally come after me. And I'm not alleging that. I'm not. I know you're not. I am. She doesn't care about (laughs) our officers. And that is a fact. She says she does, but she doesn't when it really matters. All right. And then it just just reminds me in so many ways of Anjanette Young, which we don't have to go into that. But Mayor said she didn't know anything about Anjanette Young either. Uh, And she did. Yeah. But she, she said did. she did. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, How'd you uh, like that yesterday? She said she was a member of law enforcement. Did you see that? She must spoke. Th- she must spoke there too. Oh no, I missed that one. Or if did I did, I just she was as a member, over. as a former oh, member, member of yeah. law enforcement myself. And I'm like, what? When were you in law enforcement? So, yeah, it's a you know disrespectful to all the guys that actually do it. And the other point is this. So uh, she told you you should have called me, and then at the press conference, she said. It would. I have no control whatsoever about my pension board. Uh, they're independent. Uh, they do what they want. They're like four uh, judges who are blind, and they just sit up there and conservative facts without any kind of political influence whatsoever. I go, wait, what? So what? What's the point of calling you then? <laughs> Why are you saying to call? <laughs> well, then when they called her on it, she said, "I don't recall that." Uh, Converse, you know, she did. She had no recollection there. She only recalled that I was overly emotional, <clears throat> but she had no recollection of what was. We'll actually get into said, that. Right? Let's so. get, let's get into that. Uh, and I got a shout out to Gregory Pratt, uh, ace uh, reporter, city hall reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and frequent guest on the show. He tweeted this out. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Gregory Pratt quoting you from your Twitter page. Mayor Lightfoot is going to set a world record for calling a woman, quote, emotional during this news conference as she repeatedly says Susanna Mendoza was, quote, emotional or extremely emotional during exchanges about disability, pension benefits, or cops, including her brother. I would have been emotional if it was my brother. I would have been like, you mother. I mean, I would have been. Okay, I'm emotional now because I can't believe they're doing this to frontline workers. I don't, and it's not even imagine my brother. If that was, but imagine if it was your brother. Yes. Imagine if it was, right? So what is this thing and about then, emotional? Yeah. Is it like, are they, what's no, going on here? It's called having a heart. Listen, it's called having a heart. It's called having empathy. And I have, uh, I've had to uh, put my brother's clothes on. It's tough, man. I'm getting emotional because that's what happens when you love somebody. 
And I love our, I love our first responders. And do they make mistakes? Sure, we all do. But those guys that are putting on the uniform and may or may not come home, whether they're EMTs or they're firemen or they're police, you know, it's, um, and then when they're related to you, you better believe it's going to be something that you care about. And I don't make apologies for having a heart for caring about people, whether it's my brother or I'll tell you, I've met constituents that have made me cry. And you know what that does? It makes me a better elected official because I have empathy and they're, I want them to know that they've touched my heart and that that means I'm going to do something to help them, you know? And if that is seen as like a sign of weakness, then she can kiss my, you know what? And we need more of that, not less. And I think that one of the reasons why the mayor has been such a colossal failure is because she has not been able to tap into that human side of her and understand that her job is to help people. It's to, it's to inspire people. It's to um, make people feel and want to have a reason to stay in the city and to help build the city and to get over the pain of the things that happen in this city, but know that they're not alone. And she has not been able to do that with anyone. So, you know, her trying to make it seem like, oh, the timing of my press conference. Look, it's again, the courts. I just told you the deadline for filing the bill was Friday. Monday was a holiday. And Tuesday we filed our appeal, which we had to do that within the month. So I don't really care about her timeline. She hasn't given two squats about my brother not having health insurance for the last year. And, um, the, the demoralization of not just him, but all the other officers like Officer Cordova and the other 18 to 20 that are in the pipeline thinking they have no chance in hell. And so I'm concerned about them, not about what's best for the mayor. I'm a co- concerned about what's best for these officers. And I should not have to lead at the state level where the mayor should have led at the city level. It's really that simple. But we will do that because rather than just pick fights with her, I think it's important that people know what's going on in the city with our officers. I think I would be doing a disservice to everyone to not share my brother's story. And I didn't pick the timeline. You know who did? God, because that's when this all came down. The verdict and then the having to file the deadlines with the legislature and whatever. That wasn't me. That was a good Lord having a plan and I'm going to follow it. And I'm going to make sure that the the tools that he has given me as a former elected official, as a statewide officer now, are going to be put to good use helping others so that no other family has to go through what my family is going through. And honestly, to just give those officers and their families some semblance of hope, but not just hope, we're going to get it done. I'm going to make one, uh, uh, my own little statement here. It's not just the firefighters. I'm with you 100%, the EMT and the, and the police who are at risk. I'm also going to put teachers in that category. And folks, think back to that teacher strike and how much grief they got. And this is the kind of heartlessness. And they go, oh, we don't trust the city to come through for us, to look out for us. We don't believe in it. You don't have masks. Everything you just said about how they were treating police officers, Susanna, that's how they were treating public school teachers. And they got so much grief from so many people. And I just hope everybody thinks about this. These teachers, firefighters, cops, EMT on the front line while you got, well, most of us were safely the and securely at workers, home. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All, everybody. all of them. Yeah. All of them. All of them. All those essential workers. And when they, when they, when they amended the workers comp laws here in Illinois, 
right? That's when when the governor wanted to give greater protections, Governor Pritzker, for these workers who were on the front line, the essential workers, not just, you know, police or not just, you know, like hospital workers and stuff, which, of course, were totally in the thick of the front lines, but including like those workers, the, the people that don't have the big advocates, right? The folks at the grocery stores, um, that they still had to go to work, right? The people working in the meat factories and, and those things that like the farmers, they all still had to work, right? They were still picking the crops and stuff. So long story of it is they, they changed the workers' comp laws to extend the period of time in which somebody could claim workers' comp benefits and stuff. And so they opened that up. And that's when Senator Cunningham and Representative Hoffman threw in this duty death. Uh, provision for officers. But these guys, when I talked to them, they said not in their wildest dreams did they think that the city of Chicago would ever deny an officer who is mortally injured, you know, or like who almost died but didn't and whose life is forever different. That's obvious that the pension fund should have um, approved that. But because they didn't put that specifically in the law, the pension fund, instead of saying we're going to do the right thing, they said, what can we do to to not have to do the right thing. I mean, think about what a twisted mindset that is for the city. And so thankfully our our legislators are going to correct that because the city is refusing to, and they will really make their intent clear that not only is this going to apply to any of those officers or paramedics or firemen who, um, who uh, died, but it's also going to apply the presumption, you know, the benefit of the doubt here about where they contracted COVID in the official act uh, is going to apply um, if they got sick between March 9th, the date of the executive order, right, of the lockdown, through June 20th, so March 9th of 2020 through June 30th of 2021, that's by the time vaccines were now available. So it's before, you know, vaccines were available up until the point where everybody had access to a vaccine. And so it seems like a fair cutoff in that respect. And uh, you're talking about officers who were sitting ducks, And nobody should be opposed to that, certainly not the mayor of the city of Chicago. So I I do believe that this was important. The timing, like I said, wasn't dictated by me. It was dictated by the courts and the legislature. And I'm not going to hold off on doing what I need to do and talking about it now when I'm ready to talk about it um, because the mayor has an election. You know, people should know what's happening and that's how the timing worked out and she should be accountable. And you know what? I have to say, like, why should anybody tell me what timeline I need to be on? Like, do you understand how difficult this has even been for me to talk about? You've seen me break down multiple times already on your program. Again, my words are there. They're just hard to come out because it's hard to work them through the emotion. But imagine what I was like when this was fresher. I will tell you that the easiest part of my job, Ben, has been managing billions in state debt. I never thought I'd say that. The easiest part of my life, actually, has been managing billions in state debt. The hardest part has been living through this experience with my brother. So I don't want any other family who doesn't have the wherewithal that I do to have to go through this. So I'm okay going through it for him and for everyone else. But how dare anybody say that this is political for me or that I have some agenda other than trying to help my brother? And she can take her calendar of events or her presumptions wherever she wants to take them. But I'm going to take them to the legislature and make sure that we get the job done that she's unwilling to do for our officers. And we're going to make it retroactive, by the way, to make sure that someone like my brother who was denied gets his fairness back and that Officer Cordova gets her benefits and her health care back as well. So I just want to, before you leave, we're almost done, just make sure I understand what you said. 
there's they could give your brother duty disability. Uh, they could give him limited disability, which is what he has, or they could give him it's no ordinary dis disability. Ordinary, my bad. Yeah. Ordinary. I got to get the bureaucratic words uh -huh. uh, right. Okay, you know your yeah. duty you know, is seventy five percent for. Yeah, until he retires, maximum uh, minimum you you can you have to retire by the age of sixty three, and healthcare. So you get healthcare and seventy five percent at at um, duty disability. Ordinary disability gives an officer like my brother, who's got over twenty years in the department, he gets up to five years of ordinary disability, which is fifty percent of salary, but no health insurance. And so, so both my brother and yes, yes, and both my brother and his that other uh, worker, um, Officer Cordova, were both denied duty disability. So they only get 50% of their salary. She put in 25 years with the city. She gets 50% and no health care. And she has a catastrophic illness, right, uh, that she's never going to get better from. So this is what they did. But that one guy, that Steve Scarden, uh, Mayor Lightfoot's senior advisor, her counsel, and uh, – the trustee that she handpicked on that board who happens to be the risk assessment officer for the city of Chicago voted for neither of those options. He voted no on even granting my brother the 50% with no health care, which is an admission in his, it's like an acknowledgement that he does not believe that he's disabled. So if right now if, you should put like exclamation hashtag, uh, whatever, like, you know, all kinds of expletives coming out of my mouth as to what I think about that guy. And what so he let me about understand this. This is just, just so we leave our listeners with this. If Lori Lightfoot's handpicked lawyer uh, and chief representative on this board in terms of as, as an advisor and pension had his way, your brother would be getting no money in terms of a pension income and would have no health care. So somehow or other, he would have to scrounge for health care, for the money to pay for his health care. That's if this guy had his way. That's correct. That's what he said with his no vote on even ordinary disability. As if my brother and the pension fund doctor that they hire made up the fact that he lost both his kidneys and had five strokes, right? So it's it's cruel it's inhumane, and it's beyond disrespectful. And it's exactly the reason why some of these guys, after feeling that type of spit in your face after your service, would rather put a bullet to their head than have to deal with the betrayal of their own city that they love. That's a fact. All right, Susanna, uh, thanks for making the time to come on the show uh, and uh, tell this story. I think it's a very important story. Uh, and I'll end by, uh, by saying it's a very important story. If you want to know why, again, I'll repeat, I'll go through them. So many city workers feel the way they do, not just police officers, but there's a certain heartlessness and cruelty to this town, which I don't understand, Suzanne. I'm not from Chicago, but it could be so tough. If you have clout, you'll get $1.3 billion to build some high-rise complex gentrifying a gentrifying neighborhood if you have clout but if for some reason you don't have clout or they don't like you <laughs> which is negative clout they will let you just like die in the alley and it's just like a, a weird town i don't know quite 
Yeah. It, it, by the way, to that point, no other pension fund for police and fire do this other than Chicago. So like every other municipality, if my brother had been a police officer in Skokie or anywhere else, he'd be covered. It's just the city of Chicago's pension fund that treats their officers with this disdain. That's it. So that's why we have to change the law specific to the city of Chicago's pension code, because it's the only one that is treating officers in this type of disrespectful manner. And that in and of itself is a shame. The, the last point I'd make here, too, is that, you know, the mayor said that she has zero influence and there's a total firewall, essentially, between her and her pension fund. Right. But let's follow that line of logic. Let's say that we're going to we're going to grant her that that that's true. Now that she knows what her pension fund did, and now that she knows what Scarden did, don't you think the humane thing to do from her would be to say, these are my appointees, and while I don't tell them what to do, now that I know what they did, that's unacceptable, and I'm going to champion a change in the law. Because if they're using this loophole or this non-existent clarity in the law, then absolutely we need to change this because this is an injustice and I'm going to have an opinion about injustice when I see it. But instead, her response was to defend the pension fund and say, look, you know, a judge upheld it. I just told you that the judge completely said nobody had COVID and look at how many people had COVID. There's at least 35 people on this sheet right here that while my brother was in that division that had COVID in his shop. So, um, you know, these are facts. You would think that a, an experienced lawyer would at least look into it before she holds a press conference to say that she doesn't know any facts, but she's going to opine anyway and defend a board that did something that any person without a law degree would know is morally corrupt. And so she should say, as the leader of the city, I'm going to fix that. And that's not OK. It's an injustice. And we're going to fix it. Not I can't question the board. That's the board's decision. And I'm not going to question it. That's absurd. And that is a complete lack of leadership where it matters most. So I'll end with that. All right. Very good, Susanna. Thanks for coming on the show. Best luck to you and your brother. All right. Thanks so much, Ben. Appreciate you um, finding a good fight for these guys because, um, you know, one voice isn't enough. And I know you got beat up a little bit for being nice about it, but you're on the right side of this. And I would just, you know, remind people, I know that there's a lot of uh, division and hard feelings about you know, law enforcement these days, but even the most hardened, you know, person who wants to see changes, I think would have difficulty accepting this is okay to do. So thanks for having me on. And I appreciate it. All right. Very good. Don't worry about me getting beat up. Happens all the time. <laughs> it's all good. Don't worry about it. All right. Susanna Mendoza, thank you very much. Me too. What's new, right? Yeah. yeah. What's new? Uh, I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. 